and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your host, Gary, to tell you about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Today, my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann, joins us for our scary tales. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm good. I'm tired. Why are you so tired? Work. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> well, just to give you more work to do, um, I want to let you know that my two new books have been released and are now available on Amazon. Check them out. Yes, I'm going to have a link to them in the show notes, and you can go to Amazon and order them for yourselves. There's The Hidden Within the Mist, a collection of 30 urban legends and tales that have been passed down through the years with my own version of retelling them. And there is the Dad Jokes for the Paranormal Dad. Uh, hundreds of jokes over everything from werewolves, ghosts, and vampires. Perfect for the spooky season. Oh, yeah. Perfect. And you'll get to see <laughs> some of the thoughts that go on in my head when you don't listen to the podcast. Poor people. But if you want to see it live, why don't you join us at Paracon at the Heard Opera House on October 14th in Arcadia, Florida. Again, a link will be in our show notes, but this will be our first recorded live show. That means that next week's episode will be the playing of that conference. So if you want to hear yourself tell your ghost story or maybe citing something in the woods, this is your chance to tell your story to a group of people and be on our show. And it's free. It's totally free. And There'll be lots and lots of vendors. And uh, different celebrities. Yeah. So we hope to see you there and we hope to hear your tales. If next week there's basically blank sounds, then you'll know that something bad really happened. So keep your fingers crossed for us. But first, a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Now, Goldie Ann, the thought of having a book of my paranormal dad jokes has got me inspired. Yeah. So do you know why the octopus crossed the reef? Crossed the reef? Yes. Why did the octopus cross the reef? To get to the other side. So close. It was to get to the other tide. Oh, gosh. So you got to think like a dad joke. I'm not a dad. Okay, but... I would think that I would be influencing you a little bit. Yeah, sadly, it's true. Ah, my plan works. Now, today's story does involve a man-eating lake monster that has been said to be responsible for the deaths of multiple people, according to the legends. These events may be upsetting to some of our listeners. And might excite others. Hence the ghoul to my right. We are storytellers to tell you tales about some of our beloved creatures of the night. We don't intend to scare you. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. And with that, we begin. As soon as you veer off the highway and onto the winding tree-covered roads, it's easy to see why Oregon is known for its natural beauty. 
It's beautiful. I didn't know you had visited. I haven't. I've seen it in pictures. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the towering evergreens, snow-capped peaks, crystal clear lakes, and bubbling streams make for the perfect backdrop for any outdoor activities like hiking, canoeing, and camping. See, that's beautiful. It is very beautiful. One of the most popular tourist spots is a lake with a dark name. Can you kayak on this lake? Yes, you can. Count me in. If you're brave enough to kayak on Devil's Lake. Sure, why not? Well, it is breathtakingly beautiful, but one has to wonder, could this beauty be masking something sinister beneath its tranquil surface? This lake, born of glaciers that receded centuries ago, can be found near the shore of Lincoln City, Oregon, and it still has access to the Pacific Ocean, and some of its residents may be visiting there from time to time. Legend has it that the Silets tribe called the lake Medewakan, which loosely translates to mystery or evil spirit. The lake waters were said to be cursed and home to a creature or possibly various monsters that science cannot even explain today. Nonetheless, people continue to flock to its shores for adventure and thrills every year. Join us today as we swim within the mists of Oregon to tell of the Devil's Lake Monster. Chapter 1 Hunters and the Hunted One of the oldest tales from Devil's Lake tells of a story of a Native American Indian chief who assembled a hunting party of young warriors in the late evening to hunt for game on the richly vegetated land across the Devil's Lake. The waters, nestled in the mountainside, had been a great source of hunting, but now it seemed as if the deer and the waterfowl on their side of the lake was becoming more and more scarce. The tribal hunters scanned the peaceful lake looking for any silhouettes of food for the tribe. Where there was once tracks to be followed in the mud at the edge of the waters, there was now only dried patches of grass. Along the muddy shore, there was nothing but a few floating logs and maybe an occasional fish jumping out of the water. That evening, the chief addressed his tribe, his voice booming out over the waters, and he commanded that his hunters take the canoes to the other shore to hunt and secure food for his people before the winter had set in. With this expedition for food on the other side of the lake, those people could avoid starvation when the days grew colder or longer. Winters were known to be harsh in Oregon, and it was not sure if the people could survive unless they found a new food source. His massive, mighty warriors stood before the chief in solemn silence, their limbs trembling slightly in fear, and their eyes were averted downward, unable to meet his powerful gaze as they braced for the consequences of defying his command. All in the tribe sensed danger stirring beneath the surface of the water. Something 
enormous and famished, prowled in the murky depths. There would be loud splashes in the rippling water at night, leading them to believe that the lake was home to a demon. Though none of the people had seen it, the evidence was clear that whatever creature lurked below the surface had the power to drag away even the largest deer from the shore. On many nights, a few would stare out over the waters and they could easily imagine this underwater creature dragging away the unsuspecting. Tracks stamped deep in the mud and clumps of deer fur snagged in the foliage as it was dragged into the water to disappear forever. However, the chief's face was set in a challenging, disapproving line as he scowled down at his cowardly warriors. His brow was furrowed and his eyes blazing, radiating anger at their lack of courage. His fists clenched tightly at his side, and the silence was oppressive as his disappointment hung heavily in the air. Then, his eyes fell on a very young maiden he had been attempting to woo over the last few weeks. Seeing her watching him and waiting to see if he would be the brave leader or allow his people to starve made the decision for him. The tribal chief thumped his chest and roared, his bright eyes wild with a new passion as his men muttered excuses about why they were too scared to go on the hunt. If his men were cowards, the tribal chief would lead them on the hunt. He rose to his feet, looking them in the eyes before issuing an ultimatum. I will lead this hunt, and anyone who refuses to follow me will be banished from the tribe forevermore. His men, for all their fears, had no choice but to follow him to the shores of the Devil's Lake. They shuffled behind them, their eyes wide as they watched him lead them down. Some even wept, and others muttered prayers, but no one stopped or dared to turn back. The full moon was a bright beacon of light that cast a glimmering silver sheen across the lake's dark surface. Its light was hypnotic, highlighting the stillness of the water. The only sound was the gentle lapping of tiny waves against the shoreline, and maybe the occasional bird call in the distance. With its mysterious depths and otherworldly beauty, the lake whispered warnings to the natives, to those that came nearby. The young men, muscles taut and straining, hefted wooden canoes over their heads and stepped into the icy water. Standing in the stern of the largest, their leader called instructions for launching off of the muddy shore. The hunters and their chief slid the canoe into the black waters of the Devil's Lake. Their paddles dipped soundlessly in unison as they glided over the glassy surface. The only sounds they heard were the haunting calls of distant loons and the soft rustling of reeds brushing against the hull. Each member of the hunting tribe kept a sharp eye out for movement along the shoreline or under the water, scanning for any signs of prey or danger that may lurk beneath. 
Their silence in the darkness was broken only by the occasional creaking of a paddle or a whispered command from their leader. All while they disappeared into the light mists forming over the lake. Halfway across the water, their apprehension had vanished, and they began to laugh at all the worry they felt earlier. It seemed silly to be scared of something they had never seen, and so their mood had changed. The chief looked around at the group of warriors within his canoe, his wrinkled face creasing into a prideful smile. He could barely contain his joy as they wanted nothing more than to prove that they were no longer frayed and bound by the superstitions. His smile vanished from his face. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a large, dark shadow gliding silently beneath the lake's surface. Countless writhing tentacles, slimy and black, shot up from the depths of the lake. With a sudden ferocity, they appeared almost like monstrous fingers reaching from the abyss. The tips of each tentacle was lined with a slimy layer of mucus and small spikes that glittered in the moonlight. A wave of water crashed over them and overturned their canoes. Uh-oh. Okay, maybe I won't go kayaking. But I thought this is what you wanted. And this is no longer what you want? I want to be on the water, not in it. Oh, well, these hunters were now found themselves in the water. And worse, the chief shouted orders above the thundering waves, but it was too late. The men were being pulled into the depths. Fearful cries filled the air as the boat spun helplessly in circles, capsizing and sending them tumbling into the icy waters. Fear gripped every fiber of their being. The tentacles that reached into the sky from the water seemed to move and writhe like they had a mind of their own, lashing out in all directions. Some were thin and whip-like, while others were thick and sticky. They seemed to go on forever, creating an eerie, writhing mass. The men screamed in horror as they attempted to cling to the remnants of the destroyed canoes. Their arms and legs flailed frantically to free themselves from the tentacles' grasp, but it was useless. Their screams echoed in the air as they were dragged deeper and deeper into the murky depths of the brackish waters. The cold water stung their skin, leaving them feeling helpless and afraid. Their screams were only met with water filling their lungs. Dang. There was no escape. Even though no one made it out of the lake alive, the desperate screams from the men reached the ears of their tribe, a haunting sound that pierced the air like lightning. It was a desperate plea for help that was never answered, a last attempt to break free from the terrors that ensnared them. The echoes of their cries reverberated in the air, a reminder of tragedy and loss. As the villagers flooded the beach, they watched in horror as the creature, resembling an enormous octopus, too large to be in such a lake, dragged the last of its prey, their chief, beneath the watery waves. What are they going to do now? Well, 
They could make out every dreadful detail, illuminated by the moon's eerie light. What they did after that, and every year, is the surviving members of the Nakoda tribe paid tribute to those who had fallen before them by throwing gifts and animal sacrifices into the center of the lake. This was done to appease what they viewed as a demonic presence. The festival was held in honor of their lost comrades and in hopes to keep the creature from taking more of their warrior tribe. To imagine an octopus-like creature that large seems to capture the imagination of nightmares. Even more confounding is the thought that this creature was able to survive in fresh water as all octopus species are specifically saltwater creatures and only a fraction of that size. So no kayaking? No kayaking. Oh. Well, we'll find something else to do. Chap go scuba diving down there. You want to go scuba diving in Devil's Lake? We'll find it. Babe, you heard what happens when people find it. Okay. Do you really want to find it? Nah. Okay. Thank you. Chapter 2. The Monster is Trapped. A crowd of Nakoda tribe members lined the outskirts of their village during the 1800s. The children laughed and pointed at the strange-looking newcomers, their faces alight with wonder and curiosity. The village chief of this time stood solemnly alongside the elders, respectfully welcoming these first Christian missionaries to their world. The Native Americans, many wearing tribal regalia, stood alongside the missionaries in a semicircle around a roaring fire at night. The flames illuminated their faces and cast shadows across the landscape and the waters of Devil's Lake. They shared stories of triumphs and struggles from both sides of their histories. The indigenous elders proudly recounted tales of their past, as the missionary teachers listened intently and eagerly jotted down notes in their little books. As the stories progressed through the night, the faces of both groups lit up with enthusiasm. The chief leaned forward, his voice lowered in reverence, as he began to tell the missionaries of a creature he had seen as a young boy during the great drought. With a creak from his leathery hands, he gestured for them to draw closer. According to his tale, many years back, the summer heat had been relentless for months, with never so much as a drizzle to grant any respite. Clouds remained absent in the skies for weeks leaving the sun an uninterrupted opportunity to bake the parched earth. It was unusually sweltering and stayed that way for months with not one drop of rain. The Nakoda remained near the swiftly drying lake, watching the shores get farther and farther away. The dusty parched land reverberated with the crunch of the dry shorelines beneath their feet and seemed to stretch for miles. The water level had dropped so low that not even ripples disturbed its glassy, murky surface. The tribe 
stayed by the lake as the closest water source for them for miles. Also, as animals upon which they lived were drawn out by their need for water, the disappearing lake provided them with an abundant and uncomplicated food source. As the summer progressed, the sun beat down relentlessly, sucking up even more moisture from the once deep lake. And each day the water receded further and further until it eventually split into two distinct bodies of water separated by a sliver of dried mud that ran through its center, elevated above the waterline. It was during this summertime, one morning, the Nakoda people were startled by a loud commotion outside of their camp. When they rushed out to investigate, they found a giant, fish-like creature thrashing around on the narrow, muddy strip of exposed lake bed. The creature's thick, leathery skin was coated in the mud, and its enormous mouth gaped open as it struggled against the receding waters attempting to return. The creature was enormous, with a long, serpentine neck. Its thick, scaly skin was covered in mud from the lake bed, but the tribe could see its dark green color. Eyes were wide and frantic, and its mouth was agape with long, narrow head, filled with razor-sharp teeth. So is it an octopus, or is it Nessie? Thank you for pointing that out. This definitely does not sound like an octopus. And it does sound more like a plesiosaur. Although the people of the Nakoda tribe knew nothing of Nessie or of plesiosaurs. Right. So it makes it very interesting that they would see one during the 1800s. Anyways, this plesiosaur-like creature thrashed about in the drying mud, struggling against the receding waters, unable to get off of the mud bank. Its enormous tail swayed back and forth and its paddle-like fins flickered in the sun like flames of a fire. The Nakoda referred to this dinosaur-looking monster as Hakua. The tribe clustered around the shoreline every day, mesmerized by the display before them. The creature would continue to thrash and writhe for days, sending up great sprays of water and dried mud with each effort to break free. They stood in awe and fear of the lake creature, and none dared to come any closer. Even the bravest amongst them was scared to take a step closer, afraid to disturb the creature for fear that its spiritual wrath would bring on even more drastic hardships than just the drought. They believed this creature to be an Ankenzinka, the vile progeny or combination of an evil spirit Ankh and the lizard beast known as Ankhsiga. So over the days they avoided the creature and its demonic appearance. One day, the morning sun painted the sky in shades of pink and orange and seemed as if the air was getting cooler. People flocked to the lake as they did every day, but their eyes widened when they saw that the animal that they had paid attention to for so many days was now gone, and it seemed that the creature had emerged from its captivity on the dried mud strip and returned to the lake's depths. The rains returned, 
and the people continued offering to the Devil's Lake Monster. At the conclusion of his story, the elderly Nakoda tribesmen leaned back and let the white missionaries take in the story. They had been exposed to much of the local lore, but never had they heard of such an encounter told with such sincerity. After only a few months, the settlers in the area named Devil's Lake, and the people living in the area would take up the local tribe's yearly tradition of leaving gifts and offerings to the beasts in the water and turned it into a festival. What had these people experienced that would cause them to change their worldly views to align with those of the local Native American tribe? Was this the same creature from before? Or does the Devil's Lake permit such monstrosities as giant octopi and this plesiosaur to come and go into their waters as they please and terrorize the people? Well, you know I love Indian tribal lore. Yes. It's one of my favorites. But I mean, I don't hold it as truth. Or as gospel? Yeah. Most of their lore comes from fable-like tellings to mm -hmm. ward children to be cautious, to ward their tribe on things. But this has no warning or no moral to the story. It's just a story. I agree. Do you get what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, just odd. Well... Let's add some supportive evidence to the story. That would be helpful. Thank you. Chapter 3, Old Harry. Now we're talking about Sasquatches? Not quite. Okay. It was the early spring morning of March 4th, 1950, and it was bone-chillingly cold in Oregon. But that didn't stop Mary Bell Alum, the teenage daughter of the local marshal, from going out for a walk. She exited the house and pulled her navy blue coat tightly around her body, adjusted her red scarf, and ventured out into the cold. As she ventured farther away from her home and towards the lake waters, she noticed something peculiar. There was a lapping sound of water, and something odd was washing ashore on Devil's Lake. Mary Bell's curiosity caused her to walk carefully along the shoreline, her boots leaving footprints in the damp sand and mud. The further she went, the more apparent the strange object became. As the girl drew closer, she could make out the shape of a large carcass lying motionless on the shore. Whatever it was had been dead for quite some time. She cautiously approached it, not sure what to expect. When she reached it, she realized it was an animal of some kind, although it was not like anything she had ever seen before. Once she had told her father and the rest of the town came out to investigate, the creature was named Old Harry by the local inhabitants, and this massive creature was estimated to weigh about a thousand pounds. It was 22 feet long, taller than even a giraffe, and it had the bodily proportions of a cow. What? Basically, this was a giant cow-like creature that they saw, or carcass of one. And it was hairy. 
Well, and it was in the water. Yeah, it was in the water, and it was hairy, and to make it even stranger, it had approximately nine tails scattered on its body, fur covering its body and legs. Okay, what's the basis behind this story? This is what a girl reportedly saw. In newspaper reports? Yes, of the time of 1950. Okay. The sight of this mysterious creature caused a great stir in the small town of Lincoln and everyone was awed and perplexed by the strange carcass that had washed up on the shore. Now, the body appeared to be a cross between a mammal, reptile, and fish, and it defied identification. But there were theories, as discussions and debates over its origin filled the air as everyone tried to understand what they were looking at. Dr. E.W. Gudger of the American Museum of Natural History was, was among those who visited Devil's Lake to study the strange creature. He believed it to be a whale shark, an animal he had heard of but had never seen before. Well, I know it's not one of them. Why is that? Because that's not what a whale shark looks like. Well, it doesn't okay. have nine tails. Yes and no. Doesn't okay. have fur. Let me let me let you in on one little detail. Okay. As whale carcasses beach onto the shores and they start decomposing, the skin deteriorates and muscle fibers start popping out from the body. These mu these muscle fibers are tendons and basically ropes. So to say that something looked like it had a tail on various parts of its body or looked hairy is a common description of gobsters and whale carcasses that get washed up. And that's why they don't look like whales or aquatic animals, is because of the breakdown of the body and these fibers of muscles poking everywhere and making it look like they have tendrils and hair. Okay. So it is possible that it was a whale shark, but getting into Devil's Lake would be very, very unusual. The Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife disagreed and asserted that the animal was instead whale blubber, as I explained before. However, it was not possible to determine the origin of this creature. So just whale blubber? Well, like I said, a whale that's basically rotting. So there's not much of the whale left, just muscles and blubber. Despite all of the experts' opinions, the townsfolk marveled over this incredible find and each had their own theories about its identity and origin. Every tale added to the mystery surrounding Old Harry's unexpected appearance in their small lake town. Despite all the theories, its true origin still remains a mystery. After weeks of debate and discussion and smells, the townsfolk of Devil's Lake had no more answers than they did when they first washed ashore. With no clear explanation in sight, the creature was eventually buried on the beach and may still be there to this say, day. That would be an interesting find. I could not find anything that listed exactly the location of where it was buried. So it could be on any part of the surf on the shore. Although the carcass is no longer visible to the public eye, the legend of Old Harry still lives on in their memories. Stories were passed down from generation to generation and rumors circulate about mysterious sightings of similar creatures in nearby lakes. 
Over the years since then, there have been isolated spottings of creatures and something in the lake. Some even have grainy, inconclusive photographs. Of course. Some look like logs and others look like Nessie. Is it conceivable that this bizarre corpse could have been the famous Devil's Lake monster? It is an enduring mystery that continues to captivate those who believe in the monster and live around Devil's Lake. So we went from an octopus. Yes. To Nessie. Yes. To a whale shark. Yes. I think they're all smoking crack. I don't think crack was very prevalent to the Native Americans before 1800. All right, pemmican then. Okay, in Oregon. Now, it is, like I said, uh, Devil's Lake does have access to the ocean. There is some brackish water in Devil's Lake connecting it to the Pacific Ocean. There are reports of seals and other creatures from the ocean making their way to Devil's Lake from time to time and then going back. That's awesome. I want to go. Well, it would be very interesting to see. So, it is not impossible for an octopus to get into Devil's Lake. It wouldn't survive long in the fresh water. But again, it also wouldn't be the size to take down a tribe of warriors in their canoes. Secondly, 1800s, the Native Americans, could a Loch Ness type monster plesiosaur exist? It is, that type of creature is seen in many lakes. So if it possibly exists in Annie, it could also exist in Devil's Lake and can go back and forth between the ocean and Devil's Lake. Right. Then thirdly, maybe a whale shark did, you know, make its way from the inlet from the Pacific Ocean into Devil's Lake to die. Yeah. Well, if it was that small, I mean, whale sharks are a lot bigger than that. Devil sharks are very huge. Devil sharks? I mean... (laughs) Creating a whole new cryptid. Yeah. Uh, no, whale shark in Devil's Lake. So there's a lot of possibilities that we are talking about multiple types of species, but any of them would be completely unusual and amazing to discover in a freshwater lake such as Devil's Lake. Right. The Dakota tribe still holds a yearly celebration, but it's more towards enlightening the history and the culture of their people rather than providing animal sacrifices to the devil beneath the water. Oh, we've all grown. Yes. Now, before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the Devil's Lake Monster. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and have an email, Podcast at gmail.com. For any of you who would like to share your stories or sightings of such creatures. We hope you enjoyed our story of the Devil's Lake Monster and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, explore the dark waters and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next week.